Hello. Thank you, Craig. Um, so, you know, for the, for the last 14 years, uh, I have the privilege of um, pioneering a ministry with Linda called Healing on the Streets. We travel all over the world, and we go in obedience to the Lord. You know, we, for the last 14 years, we haven't pushed any doors. So wherever, um, wherever I, I go to, I've been invited to go, and I feel that's where God with all my heart, I believe that's where, where the Lord wants me to be. And sometimes, you know, there's some place I go to and I really want to go to, and some place I really don't. And the, it's the problem with following Jesus. He sometimes takes you to places you don't want to go to, but in obedience you follow. And, but coming here has been like a, it's an honor for, for Craig and Becky to invite, invite us here, but also with some sense of trepidation because I know the banquet of God's word that he lays out every Sunday before you. And in comparison, what I have to bring feels like a snack. <laughs> but I, but I hope it's more like a, you know, a, a protein power bar. Yeah. You'll have something in it and you'll be able to receive something. But it reminds me of a, a conference that I went to in Switzerland. Now, do you know, I don't know if you've ever been to any of these conferences where they've had some prophetic artists, um, painting while a person or there's ministry going on. Has everyone ever seen that? Prophetic art. So what happens is, for those of you who don't know, there are people who, you know, artists who are painting in a prophetic way what they feel maybe God is saying uh, regarding whatever the speaker is doing or, or, or you know. Um, so I have a background in art, and I thought, God, I would love to have someone do a prophetic painting for me. And, you know, we have some, some incredibly anointed speakers that I've heard. They've been so eloquent and uh, powerfully anointed, powerfully gifted. And I see someone, and they're painting uh, a picture of, like, a roaring lion. And I go, wow, that's the lion of Judah roaring over his people. And then somehow another speaker, a gifted speaker, comes up. And here is, like a soaring eagle, and I go, wow. And maybe someone like Craig gets up, and there's like a crown of gold with fire from heaven coming down. I thought, Lord, one day it will happen for me, and I would love to see what someone paints for me. And then it happened in Switzerland. I was, I was one of the speakers they invited to speak, and there were some prophetic artists. I thought, amazing. I am going to have someone paint for me as I get up to speak. So I'm so intrigued as to what this lady is beginning to paint, and I can't quite make out what it is. I'm trying to figure out, it's got to be something amazing. And then, and I get up to speak, and as I glance over to the painting, I see that she's painting a donkey. I mean, people get a roaring lion, the lion of Judah, you know, a soaring eagle, fire from heaven, I get a donkey. And I wasn't quite sure if I should be concerned or you know, encouraged. But then the Lord reminded me that once he spoke through a donkey, I thought, God, if you can speak through a donkey, you can speak through me. I'm encouraged. And then the Lord reminded me that it was a donkey that carried Jesus into Jerusalem. It was a donkey that carried the presence of God into the city. In Matthew 21.10, we read this. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? When God's presence enters into a city, people 
begin to ask, who is this who heals? Who is this that delivers? Who is this who has the power to forgive? Who is this that has authority over the wind and the waves? When God's presence comes into a city, into a town, into Craig Avon, the whole area is shaken and they begin to ask, who is this Jesus? I said, Lord, it is a privilege to be a donkey for you. That if I can carry your presence into every place that I go to, then I'm honored to be a donkey for you. And so I have the privilege of traveling all over the world and taking his presence into cities and towns and nations. And healing the streets is a very simple ministry. It's a gentle ministry. It's marked by God's presence, by gentleness, by peace, by love and compassion. We have a banner, 5.3 meters high by a meter wide. And it just says healing. I mean, you have to be pretty blind. Not, I mean, it's massive. You have to be blind not to see a banner like that. But people who can't see it, we invite them to take a seat on a chair and we, we kneel to pray for them. And um, we have chairs laid out. We have a team that are fully trained. And as part of what I do, I equip the church, teach them how to engage with those outside the building and how to pray. You know, God loves you so much. You are sons and daughters and he cares for you. You are so precious to him. He loves you. Your heavenly father loves you with all of his heart. But as he embraces you, holds you close to his side, his eyes are gazing outside of the building to the broken places, to the streets, to the estates, to people who are far away from him. He would go to sleep at night crying out to a God they don't know. Is there anyone who hears? Is there anyone who understands? Is there anyone who can help me? Is there a God? And when the church connects with the heartbeat of God, we come alive. The church has to leave the building. And we step out into the broken place, into the hurting places. We connect with God's heartbeat. And as we do that, we come alive and we see Jesus beginning to move. And people ask, who is this? Who is this Jesus? Um, so recently... Um, as Craig was saying, we've, we've just come back uh, just, just over three weeks ago from Jamaica. Linda and I had an amazing time, our third attempt to get to Jamaica. The only time, I think one of the only times in 14 years of traveling uh, into different nations, releasing healing on the streets where there's been such a high level of warfare. It was a third attempt, and this time we were determined to go. We made it, and for good reason. We saw God moving in such a credible way, first of all in Kingston and then in Mandeville, and we saw the Lord doing signs and wonders, miracles of healing on the streets. Many, many, every day people were, were, were getting healed, were coming uh, to faith in Jesus, and there was it was such fruitfulness. But I'll give you I'll give you one or two stories, just give you a snippet of what happened. We was we um, started off in Kingston, and um, in one place we went to. It was called Pepin Park, and it's in this square, this large square. Um, it's not a pretty place. In fact, it is it is run by drug dealers, gangs, 
and violence. That's what it's known for. There's a road surrounding the square. There are people selling and trying to make a living and, uh, and businesses all around the square. And there's a university nearby, and the square is used, the park is used um, as a shortcut for students to get through. So they're running the gauntlet through these gangs and drug dealers. And the local uh, ministers, the churches in the area, wanted a Christian presence in Pepin Park. And they just felt that healing the streets was perfect. So the, on the very first day that we went there ready, the presence of God began to fill the park. And we saw the gangs and the, uh, the, the uh, drug dealers move away. And students are walking by, and members of the public. And, we, and over the days, we saw them begin to smile and begin to relax and knowing who we were and what God was doing there. The presence of God was palpable. You could feel his presence. That is the, the aroma of Christ, the fragrance of Jesus flowing out. It was life. It was his glory, his Shekinah filling that whole area and changing the environment. And what we do is we step into the impossible place. We change the status quo. And so people were coming, sitting on the chairs, and we were kneeling and praying. When we kneel to pray, it's like we're washing the feet of our community. We're showing God's love in a, in a, in a position of humility. As we wash the feet, and it doesn't matter who comes, we will pray for them. And we saw God doing amazing things. But here's the story. I saw a man, and he was like slowing down, and I engaged in conversation with him. And asked him if he would like some prayer. And he agreed. He says, yes, I would, please. And he came to the chair, sat down, and knelt down with another team member. In fact, it was a young guy who knelt down with me. He was so pleased. He, he knelt down, and we began to talk. And he said, and he points across the road. He said, that's my business across the road there. He said, um, I, I, I returned to Jamaica after my father died. And now I have to look after my grandmother. I have some problems uh, Yes, please pray, but before you do, I want to tell you a story. He said, I was living in New York in a third-story apartment. One night, I went drinking with some friends, and I got drunk in a bar. I couldn't drive my, my car back to the apartment, so I gave my car keys to my friend, and I made my own way back home. As I got to the apartment block, I realized that my door keys were attached to the car keys, but I reasoned in my drunken state that if I could somehow get onto the roof, there was a way possibly I could climb down onto a balcony. He said, I can't remember falling off the roof. But the next moment, I found myself climbing some stairs. I thought, where am I? I was on the roof a moment ago, and I'm looking down for the ground. I could not see the ground. I stared. I, thought, I was baffled. I couldn't see. But I could see the stairs going up, and there was a door at the top. So I climbed the stairs. I reached the door. The door opens up. There is a brilliant, piercing white light coming from out of the door from the other side and through that bright light comes a, a hand with a pointing finger that is bright he said he said as bright as the sun came out and poked me in the chest to stop me from entering and i heard a voice saying you're not ready immediately i found myself in pitch darkness unable to move i thought what where am i i couldn't move i was panicking i found myself in a body bag in a refrigeration cubicle in the mortuary. I unzipped the bag. I kicked open the door at the, back, the bottom. I found a tag tied to my toe, which declared that I'd been dead for two days and awaiting an autopsy. The clatter, the noise that I'd made, caused people who were doing autopsies in the other room to come running. They were in total shock. As you would. 
He also told me, she doesn't have time to tell you, he also told me two other stories. He said, where he should have died. He said, why am I still alive? I said, I want to tell you why. And I began to tell him about Jesus. About God, who loved him so much, sent Jesus to purchase a gift that he could never pay for himself. And with his blood, by dying on the cross, paid for his brokenness, his shame, his guilt, the pollution in his life, which the Bible calls sin, which would prevent him from entering into heaven. But because God loved him so much, because Jesus did this in order to bring him to God, and because on the third day God raised Jesus back to life, he was able to offer him the gift of eternal life. And this man was so happy to hear this, so willing, and he turned from the way of life that he was leading and turned to Jesus and willingly accepted him into his life. How, how amazing is that? So good. Well, I thought it was amazing anyway. Maybe you're in a state of shock. It's okay. So we, we started seeing this. Every day we were seeing people giving their lives to Jesus. It was incredible. We ended up, at the end of the week, I was exhausted. There were so many meetings, meetings of leaders, training, teaching. They were so hungry. They wanted to draw everything out of me. And I was willing to give. And really, I would just keep giving until there was nothing left. But but by the end of the week, we were exhausted. We, on the, um, we ended up, at the end of the week, going to Trenchtown, which was one of the most dangerous places um, in Kingston. And there's running gun battles uh, by gangs uh, across the street where we were just driving down to a, a Christian school where there were soldiers in the school, very troubled kids, lots of fatherless uh, children, lots of young men who... Um, have no fathers, and are recruited into gangs because that's the place where they find meaning and violence is the way of, of moving up in, into a place of, um, you know, where people can see them. And so, but when they saw Jesus, and when they began to experience him and see the real Jesus, and Jesus began to heal them, and they began to see miracles of healing, they were hungry to receive him. And it was wonderful. We had a, t- a teacher there who um, we led to Jesus also. But we felt there was some unforgiveness. And right there she began, begins to repent and forgive the people, who, the gangs who broke into her home, killing her husband, her son, the gangs who killed other family members. Began to ask God to heal her of her anxiety and to forgive those who were trying to break down her front door to kill her also. So it's kind of a different world. And from there, you know, by by the end of that, that afternoon, we had an afternoon off. We um, went to the beach, which was a great relief for us. And, and Linda really wanted to, to, to go uh, beside the sea as well and see the sea there. And we went to a beach. And this end of the beach where we were was kind of deserted. Um, and, uh, and we were just resting there and just enjoying the sun. And a little while later, after, after a while, the uh, people who were with us said, would you like to go to the other end of the beach where there's like old Jamaica you can see? this is." And they began to reminisce some of the, the folk there of when they were younger, they would go to that place where there's huts and they would sell food and, 
and there's music and everything. So we went. So I said, yeah, I'd like to see it. So we went down there, and the moment you begin to hear reggae music, you know, it's playing loudly, and there were bars there, and there's food, and you could smell the, the barbecues and everything going up, and, and, and other uh, kind of vegetable material was being smoked, which you could smell. And, you know, it's quite funny because Linda has... Um, as, as beautifully lived a sheltered life which is walking through. And there was a, a guy who was walking around with a tray of drinks and these like plants on stalks. And she said, why, why is he selling trill? You know, bird food. Is it for parrots or something? You know? And I said, uh, no, my dear, that's not, that's not trill. That's, that's skunk. That's something they, they smoke, you know, which is the, which is offered to us. I said, oh, no, thanks. It's, uh, we don't do that, you know. So, but, but, so we went down that end and we spent some time there and, uh, there was a lot of live people swimming and, 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 so we decided to walk back to our end of the beach. And as we're walking back, I see this, an older man and he was walking just in front of me and he was walking like this. I was trying, he was sort of kind of like going. And I thought, is that a gangster, um, swagger? <laughs> is that how they, the gangsters like walk like that? I thought, so I, I engaged in conversation with him and he said, says, uh, no, he said, I've had a stroke. You know, it's even amazing. Even when the Jamaicans, when they get ill or something wrong with them, they do everything in style and rhythm. They've got rhythm with everything. It's amazing, you know. So uh, I said, well, I'm a Christian. And I just I just saw that, you know, I just wondered if there was something wrong. Could I pray for you? I believe Jesus, you know, wants to hear you. He said, come with me. So I'm following him. He's going with, with the rhythm like that. And, whoops. and um, he owns a bar. So we go into the bar. And I start praying for him in front of everybody. Next thing I know, everybody wants prayer. It's amazing. When you get to pray with one person, how, so everyone wants prayer. There was a Christian woman there who wept openly because of the fact that Christians would come into this place to start praying. There was a young girl. And I began to talk to her. And I could see the Lord was resting on us. And I began to share Jesus, the gospel. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of anyone and everyone who believes. And openly and willing with joy, she received Christ into her, into her heart. And the Christian lady just wept even more. And it was like amazing. We left there. Thinking, Lord, this is amazing. Went back to our end of the beach. Spent a bit more time there. And it was time for us to go home. As we were leaving the beach, we saw three women. A mother and two daughters. They looked very, very heavy. Very sad. They're staring out to sea. And we engaged in gaining conversation with them. We discovered that this was the anniversary of the death of the son of, of this woman. The death of a brother to these two sisters. That he had gone out a year ago swimming. There was another man involved. They didn't know if there was any foul play involved. But he went out and he never returned. There was no body. There's no closure. And they said, you know, we, we were going to come yesterday. Yesterday actually was the anniversary, but there was a storm that kept us from coming. So we, we came today. And it was like God had caused us to meet with them just at that moment in time. And we, had, and we were in a position to minister the love of Jesus to them. He is the God of of compassion, Father of all comfort. 
the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort. And he's close to the broken heart and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. And we began to minister to them. And we were able to lead them to Jesus. And then connect them with a pastor, the local pastors. And you could see the, 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 the weight lift off them. The weight lift off them. It's what Jesus does. He gives hope and he releases them. And so it was just, again, one thing. And we, and we left there saying, God, you're amazing. And we got into the car. And we began to drive away. We came to the first traffic lights. And, and the lights were red as we stopped. There was a woman selling mangoes. We bought her mangoes. And in the time it took for the lights to turn green, we had led her to Jesus. And she said, I have been waiting for months for someone to show me how to do this. She's been waiting for someone to show her how to meet with God, to meet with Jesus. People are dying to hear about Jesus. And so, you know, just, just lastly, I just want to say, one of the things that I feel epitomizes and embodies healing ministry is this ministry. And if you want to know more about it, I, I wrote a book called Stepping into, into the Impossible. And that will give you some more insight into this ministry, which is a real gentle and beautiful way of, connecting with those outside the building for a long time. But, you know, in Birmingham, in England, there are a healing streets that's been running there for about 11 years now, and they have about 13 different sites. They want to spread healing streets all over the city. And every week, the church is outside the building, on the streets, and engaging people. And they're seeing a lot of Iranians coming to faith. It's incredible. Uh, they said to me, Mark, I have, we have a problem. We have so many Iranians coming to faith. They want to join healing on the streets and we don't know what to do with them. I said, that's a great problem to have. I'll pray for you. God will give you the solution. Well, they're all involved with healing on the streets. And just heard um, a few weeks ago that um, they were out in the streets and the Iranians were there with the team. They saw another Iranian man walk by. They began to converse with him in Farsi. And he actually has a, a serious back condition, painful back. He came and sat in the chair. And the team knelt around him, began to pray for him, prayed their best prayer, commanded the pain to go in the name of Jesus. And then they waited for him to open his eyes because he was obviously receiving from the Lord. They said, well, we're just waiting for him to receive and finish receiving. And they waited and they waited. And it was an unusually long time. I think the longest I've, I've had for someone is about 45 minutes. Yeah. But this was a long time, and they're thinking, they're looking at each other, going, "Well, we won't disturb him, but we'll, we'll wait." And eventually, he opened his eyes, and there's a, the biggest grin on his face. And they asked him, "So, how's the pain?" He said, "Oh, the pain's gone. You know, I'm healed." But he said, "But, but Jesus came, and sat down with me, and began to talk to me about myself." And he said, "And I've given my life to him." And that, to me, is what I've dreamt of for healing on the streets. That people encounter the living God Jesus. We've we've had people we've had been out in the streets where people have come and they've said, you know, when when the team have been kneeling and praying, who is that man in white who is praying with you? What do you mean the man in white? Well, you know, as you were praying, the team were praying for that person in the chair. This man in white robes with white hair came and he stooped down and he embraced you all as you were praying. 
Who is that man? It's wonderful. We could point them to, towards Jesus. Jesus, I believe God wants to say, don't give up hope for those who are far away from God. It's one of the things I said um, in the earlier service. I believe God's, your name is hope. But those of you who have loved ones, family, family, friends, who are far away from God, I want to tell you, God is pursuing them with his love. And he will not, he will not give up until he reaches them. Doesn't matter how far away they are, how impossible it is. God has your loved one on his radar and he's chasing them. And I want to tell you, his legs are longer than theirs. They're running away from God. And you'll see them coming back as prodigals coming back. People are far away from the Lord. And he wants to encourage you. Don't give up hope. But keep praying. Some of you have been praying for years. Don't give up. Pray. And the Lord says, have faith in Jesus. So we're reading, to make this legal, by the way, we're going to read from the scriptures. From Mark chapter 11. Verse 20. In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. I tell you the truth. If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. So, I, I just love listening to what Jesus was saying to his disciples. The way he was challenging them, the way he was pushing them even further than where they were further than what their minds could even receive. And, and, and very often they were baffled. Sometimes Jesus says some things that were so difficult to receive. And I, I've got to say to you, if you have time, I'd encourage you to read all the words of Jesus in red letters. If you have a red letter Bible, they're great. Just read all the words of Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus said this in John chapter 8, verse 31, 32. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Sometimes Jesus says some really difficult things. Some things that, like, you have to have the, the faith of a child to actually believe what he was saying. Some things he said were mind-blowing. Some things were so difficult that actually disciples left him. He once said to the twelve... Well, aren't you going to leave me as well? But Simon Peter replied, but Lord, who, where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. If you knew that eternal life was wrapped up in these words, the truth of what Jesus said, you would hold on to it. And, and I encourage you, and God has encouraged you to hold on to his word, to not give up but to have faith. And, and Jesus, you know, here's a situation. I, I came from, you know, an art background. I, I picture everything. 
in my mind, I want to see what was it like for the disciples? What was it like walking with Jesus? And you know, Jesus had cursed this fig tree. And the next day, Peter sees a fig tree withered its roots and he's kind of scratching his head. How is that possible? That I've ne- we have never seen that happen. Trees don't just die overnight, completely shriveled to its roots. And I can imagine the Lord looking, listening to Peter and the disciples with this baffled look on their faces. And I can imagine the Lord smiling and, you know, so I'm just, excuse me, have some grace for me. I'm reading between the lines here. Looking at the fig tree and saying, what, this? This is nothing. And this is what he says, have faith in God. It's a good place to start. And he, he says something else to his disciples. I tell you the truth. And when someone says to you, I tell you the truth, it's like, especially when Jesus is speaking to his disciples, it's almost like he's saying, I'm about to say something to you that's going to blow your mind. You're going to find it hard to wrap your head around this. But I want, I want you to believe me. I want you to trust me. If anyone, okay, hands up for anyone, Okay, there's no nobodies in this room. I'm glad. If anyone says to this mountain, I just want to check, are there any mountains over here? No, because we don't want to have an accident. You know, wake up in the morning and the new, you know, headlines and news is an accident. If anyone says to this mountain, jump into the sea, doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Jesus says, the fig tree, That's nothing. Didn't I say to you, and let's read this in John 14, 12 to 14. I tell you the truth. Here's Jesus saying again. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me. Now that's not faith in Mark. It's not faith in Craig. It's not faith in a particular denomination or a movement or a political party, or not just faith in itself, but faith in me. Who? Faith in who? Faith in Jesus. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. So whatever you see Jesus doing, he says, not only will you do what I've been doing, he will do even greater things than these. The fig tree? It's nothing. I want to tell you what you can do. Yes, yes, I cursed the fig tree in it with it, but I want to tell you what you can do. You see that mountain over there? You can command it to jump into the sea. And their minds are going... (laughs) See, Jesus is saying, have faith in me. Have faith in what I say. Have faith in his word. In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. This is the living Word of God, the breath of God. When His words live in us, God is breathing life into our spirit. Man cannot live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of the Father, there is life in here. We hold on to it. And as as a, a young believer, I began to read God's Word, loved His Word so much. 
till two o'clock in the morning, three o'clock in the morning, until I, my eyes could not stay open any longer. And I'd fall asleep with my Bible open on my pillow and wake up in the morning and continue reading because I wanted to know about Jesus. I wanted to know about God. And this is one of the ways of discovering him, about him. I want to meet with the author of this book. And he teaches us some things and he says some things to us which meet, which kind of God wants us to have a childlike faith. Do you remember when you were at, at, at an, a young age where your parents said something to you. <clears throat> like if they said, the moon is made of cheese. And when you were of such a young age that you believed every word your parents said, and if anyone tried to say anything else, that the moon is not made of cheese, you would not, there'd be no room for doubt, doubt in your mind. There wouldn't be any room because what your dad, what your mum and dad says, that, that settles it. And God wants us to have that childlike faith. I remember when I was a, a little boy, and at an age where I would just believe anything my dad would say to me. And he was really good at slate of hand. So he showed me a trick, and I didn't have seen this, and he had a coin, and he put it in his hand, and he said, Mark, watch this. So I watched him hold the coin like that, and he held it in his hand, and he said, blow. And I went, and when he opened his hand, the coin was gone. I went, Daddy, how did you do that? Give me a coin. So he gave me a coin. And I put it in my hand. And I went. (laughs) The coin was still there. Daddy, how did you do that? I wanted to know. I wanted to do what my dad could do. He said, well, son, there's a magic caterpillar in the garden. And if you can find this magic caterpillar, you can make a coin appear or disappear. He said, but there's one thing you need to know. This caterpillar is very difficult to find because he has the ability to become invisible. Didn't say anything else. I went into the garden. I remember as a little boy where this three sides of fence, and it was covered with ivy. You couldn't see the fence, but it was covered with ivy. The kind of ivy that turns golden browns and golds and reds in autumn. And as methodically as a, a small child could be, I started with the first leaf. And I thought, I'm looking for this caterpillar. I'm going to find it. And when I turned the leaf over, every leaf, I expected with my whole heart to find a caterpillar there. Turned it over. Caterpillar's not there. Caterpillar's not there. Caterpillar's not there. Um, I don't know how many hours it took me, but I was going, and I backtracked because I thought I missed some leaves out. And then I came to some cobwebs, and there were these crunchies. 
Or when I call it crunch, it was like a chunky spider. I call them chunk crunchies. You know these big, big spiders like that, nestling in the middle of the spider web? And I'm thinking, I don't like spiders. It's going to stop me. I thought, no, get a stick. Move the cobwebs and spiders away, checking every leaf. Hours, hours, and every leaf. Inside of me, the faith and belief that there'd be a, a caterpillar there. And I came to the very last leaf around the side. And my faith that the caterpillar would be under this leaf was as strong as when I started this end. And when I turned that leaf over and I believed all my heart was going to be there, guess what I found? Nothing. Nothing. I said, Caterpillar, you are invisible. So one day, I'm going to catch you. And to this day, I'm still looking for that caterpillar. Jesus is wanting us to have a faith that will hold on to what he says. A childlike faith. And remember, he said this. Unless you become like children, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And, you know, God's given me this childlike faith, a simple faith, a belief in him. Whoever has faith in me, what is the qualification for seeing God moving in your lives in such an incredible way, wherever you do life? What, what is the qualification for you seeing the miraculous break out in your workplace tomorrow? What is the qualification for seeing people healed, for seeing the dead being raised, for leading many, many people in your, in your world, in your circle of, of people that you know to Jesus? What, what is the qualification of changing the environment that God has placed you tomorrow? To changing the status quo, whatever is over your workplace, your schools, your homes, over Craig Avon. Whatever place you live in, whatever place you're representing, what is it? What is the qualification? It's this. It's, it's not about going to Bible college. It's not about any social standing. It's not about, about being a good speaker and being able to stand in front or having some kind of ministry in that way. It's not about being eloquent and willing, winning awards for debating. It's about having faith in Jesus. That Jesus speaks to you and says, you are my ambassador. You are my representative. You are seated with me in heavenly places. You're a child of heaven. You're a citizen of God's kingdom. You're an heir of God and a courier of Christ. You have a seat at the king's table. It's a privileged position. We, you know, None of us deserve it, and we, we couldn't earn it. We've been adopted into his family. And you, you are a royal priesthood. The Holy Spirit of God lives within you. The presence of God, the power, the Shekinah of God, through you spreads everywhere the fragrance and the knowledge of Christ Jesus to the one who is perishing with the smell of death. So you're going to have some reaction. People are going to run from you. They may be nasty to you, but that's okay. But to the one 
who is being saved, you are the fragrance of life. You're going to be drawing people to you as people who are dying to hear about the Jesus you know. They're going to be drawing, drawn to you. And Jesus says, I give you authority. He didn't give it just to the 12, but to the 72, and then the Great Commission. Go heal the sick and tell people the kingdom of God is close at hand. And when the Spirit of God comes and begins to drive out demons, then you know that God's kingdom has come. It is the presence of God, the Holy Spirit within you. He dwells within your innermost being. In the Holy of Holies, you carry the Holy One. You carry the Holy Spirit of God. Like the royal priests that would carry the ark of his presence, you also now carry his presence within you. The very seat that you sit on is a place of miracles. You know, which said this to me once many years ago to us, saying you Christians are ignorant about what it is that God's given you. We witches, this is what the witch said to us, you witches spend months, we witches spend months trapping a demon into a tree. Now, why they want to do that, I have no idea. If you know why, please don't come and tell me. I have no interest for that kind of knowledge. It says, and then one of you ignorant Christians walks by our tree and all our work's undone. I thought, praise God. <laughs> if we do that in ignorance, what will we do with, with the understanding of what it is that we carry? And that's why when Jesus died on the cross and the third day was raised back to life, he spent 40 days with his disciples, speaking to them about and teaching them about the kingdom. I can almost imagine the Lord saying, you know, you guys, I was telling you that I was going to die and be raised back to life and all those things, and you were so slow to catch on. Disciples are just like us, slow to catch on. And so what the Lord is saying, I am not leaving here now until you've really got it. After 40 days, he ascends into heaven. Can you imagine seeing the Lord go up in a cloud? An angel saying, hey, the way that he's gone, he's coming back. And now you see the disciples who have walked with him, talked to them, eaten with him, saw him die on a cross for them, rejected him in the last moment, thought all was lost, and see him resurrected, come alive, appear to them. Then they said, we are willing to die for you anyway. We're willing to, we believe you, Lord. It would be like torture to hear the, the Lord say, I tell you the truth after that. It would be like, no, 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 please don't say that, Lord. We believe every word that you say. We'd be willing to die for you now if we see nothing else. And as Peter and John could go to the temple to pray. After they've seen Jesus ascend into heaven with a spring in their step, can't wait to worship the Lord. And with a crippled beggar who's there, asking and begging for money, and Peter says, look at us. Now there's no shameful looking away. They understand they have something. They've received something. Silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And their very next breath, they begin to exercise the authority they now know they have in Jesus. And you know the rest of the story. Incredible miracle of healing. The thousands come to faith. So we need this childlike faith.
So you have the authority. You can make a difference when you step out of this building and, and begin to pray for people and ask them. I want to tell you the simplest thing to do is say, could I pray for you? I want to tell you this week, people are going to start telling you about aches and pains. They've got things that go on in their life. And, and that is a great opportunity to show just the beauty of God, the compassion and love of God. The gospel is not just about proclamation, but demonstration and praying for, for healing, praying, uh, um, asking if they could pray for someone and praying your best prayer. And really, honestly, it doesn't matter about so much about the words. I teach healing. Um, I teach people how to pray. But, but God's not concerned about the content of your prayers so much as, as he is about the compassion in your heart. And when you have compassion in your heart for those outside the building, and you pray your best prayer, and you you know you go to you think, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm this is going to be tough. I've never done this before. Here goes, and you and you step forward, and you open your mouth, and you know you, you're thinking of saying one thing, but actually what comes out is completely different. It's like gobbledygook. Comes out, all your words come out back to front. Anyone else but me? Okay, and you think to yourself, and then you pray, and it's like all over the place. And you go, oh, Lord, that was, that's got to be like the worst prayer I've ever prayed ever. And the Lord says, no, 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 that was perfect. Because you prayed from your heart. Not about the content of your prayers, but the compassion in your heart. I once prayed in a meeting for someone which I thought, because I, the music was so loud, they had a problem. I was a young Christian learning how to pray, and I was praying for their foot to be healed. I was so eager. I was saying, what? What does he need prayer for? I said, hold on a minute, I'm going to pray. Got down, I took hold of his ankle, and I began to pray my best prayer for his foot. And after I finished praying, I couldn't wait to see what God had done. The music subsided. I said, how's your foot tested out? He looked a little bit bemused and said, actually, there was nothing wrong with my foot. He said, it was my neck. I said, oh, it was? He went, yes, I'm sorry. He said, no, that's okay. He said, I'm healed. But even when you pray for the wrong thing, when you have a heart connected to God, it's amazing what the Lord will do. Sorry, I've gone way over time now. The, the red flags will be coming out and, you know, and I'll be kicked off. Okay, I'm going to close now. I'm going to close. So if we carry on reading from Mark chapter 11 and we come to verse 24. Jesus says this, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received and it will be yours. So we have to learn when to, that Jesus, you know, Jesus loves to answer prayer. First of all, you need to know this. Because he says, I will, whatever you ask me, I'll do. Because uh, I, it's going to bring glory to the Father. I want to glorify the Father. So can you imagine how much does Jesus want to glorify the Father? Well, that's how much he wants to answer prayers for you. He just wants to glorify the Father. So he loves to answer prayers. So when we pray, believe that you received and it will be yours. And what I see is this. Sometimes, you know, people just think that healing is instant. And yes, it does come instantly. We've seen people with blind eyes op instantly opened. I was sharing a story when we uh, were in America. And uh, there were three services we were speaking at. And we started to pray, and people were being healed instantly. And a man who witnessed, he was standing watching, scrutinizing, and he saw people getting healed. 
He jumped into his car. He drove home, breaking the speed limit, I'm sure. Got his mother, who's in stage four cancer, is frail, in pain, sick, dying. Brought her at a fast pace back in order for us to pray. As she was coming forward, you could see this woman is dying in so much pain with cancer. Being eaten away with cancer. And I just took hold of her hands. I thought, oh, she, if, I, if I touch anywhere else in the body, she'd break. I held her hands gently. And I felt compassion for her. She's suffering. And I began to release God's love, God's presence, God's peace. And this is what she went. She went, she went, oh, oh, oh. And she went, the pain's going. The pain's going. The pain's going. And she looked at her son. She went, the pain's gone. And she was amazed. All pain had gone from her body. Um, some weeks later, when we got home, we received a video testimony from this woman who I didn't recognize because her face had filled out. She was she had been totally healed. The doctors were baffled. There was no cancer left in her body, completely healed. And here's another thing. The pastor of that church, I had spoken to, we stayed with the pastor, and we'd spoken to the children and taught them about the authority of Jesus for every believer. And I taught their children. And during one of those morning services, a woman came up to the pastor and said, could you please pray for me? I have cancer of the esophagus. And he felt that his daughter, nine-year-old daughter, should pray. And so he said to her, he said to his daughter, how would you feel about praying for this lady? She's very sick. And she said, yes, daddy, I'll, I'll pray for her, but how, how do I pray for her? And he began to explain to her how, about what I taught them the night before about authority. And he said, you just begin to speak to the cancer and come on to go. She said, I can do that. So she puts her hands up to the woman's throat and she takes authority, speaking to the mountain, which in this woman's case was cancer of the esophagus, commanded to go. And at the same time, feeling the compassion of Jesus, she begins to weep. This nine-year-old girl begins to weep. And she prays with such passion for this lady with serious, a serious cancer in the throat. And again, at the same time, said, Mark, here's two stories. The woman that you prayed for is totally healed. Here's a video testimony. And the, the woman my daughter prayed for also has found that there is no cancer in her throat, completely healed. So good. When you stand to pray, believe that you're received. It can come instantly. But it's not always that way. It can come gradually, and sometimes there's no sign of healing. Sometimes we pray our prayer of faith and we release our prayer to God and give our prayer wings to soar to God. Then we ask, how are you? And they go, there's no change. And go, really? And then by a negative confession, attitude, doubt, and unbelief, we negate that prayer of faith. We nullify it. We pull it back by its feet. We stop the very thing that God had begun to do. Just because we don't see it with our own eyes and doesn't mean that God isn't at work. Very often he's at work without us really seeing the, the, 
that the, the manifestation of what happened 2,000 years ago, we are not quite seeing it yet, but it's going to happen. And it's going to be in his time. The Bible says a believer. Hands up, you're a believer. As all of you, a believer shall lay their hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. That word recover signifies a period of time. So yes, it can come instantly, but it may come gradually. And it may be that you need to pray again. And again, it doesn't matter. It's not a lack of faith to either receive or to pray for another person multiple times because Jesus did it. And the third way is when there's no sign of healing. When there's no sign of healing, one, it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. God loves you with all of his heart. And I reaffirm that to the person. But secondly, it doesn't mean you're not going to be healed. You can be healed as you go. It can happen instantly as you go, gradually. You can wake up tomorrow. But if there's still no sign, come back. We'll keep praying for you and standing with you. And for the believer, you know, it's the kingdom now, but not yet. Sometimes there's the agony and ecstasy of the kingdom. Sometimes we see people healed instantly or gradually or as they go. And some people we pray for many times, but there is no healing. But we're not resting in the not yet. We keep pressing in. But one day, every believer, because healing is a sign of what's to come. In heaven, there is no sickness, there is no disease, no pain, no darkness, no suffering, no tears. How amazing is that? I kind of can't wait without being morbid. (laughs) I understand to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Heaven is a beautiful place. And God wants all of his people. He's not willing that any should perish. But all would come to the truth. And I'm going to finish now. I'm sorry the time. I'll finish now. And lastly, verse 25. And when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. What the Lord is saying, please forgive. Forgive those you have a grudge against. Forgive those who have hurt you. Forgive those that have, that have harmed you or your loved ones. Forgive those who have stolen from you. There was a man, he sat down, healing on the streets, arms folded like this. He started praying. He was totally not receiving anything. And then God begins to speak to me. He says, and you're a farmer. He looks at me. And I said, and you're a very reserved man. In fact, you uh, don't let anyone close to you close to your heart. You don't trust anyone. In fact, you don't even trust me. He looks at me. I said, and the reason why you don't trust anyone, the reason why you don't trust me is because some years ago, um, a man conned you out of money. And he looks at me again. But not showing any sign of anything. I said, is any of that true? He went, all of it. And I said, the reason why God is saying that is because this is what I feel. He wants you to forgive that man who conned you. Would you be willing to do that? So that's the reason why you're not you're unable to get close to people. And he said, I'm willing. We, and we led him in a prayer. And he was able to then to be free from the trap that the enemy had put him in. And when I was in um, one... Uh, one church in St. Albans, there was a lady who we were praying for and she told me I was just one in a, in a long line of evangelists, 
people with known healing ministries who had prayed for, for her and she wasn't healed. She had a serious condition she needed healing from. And I just thought, oh, why are you asking? You know, this is it's great. I'm going to be another one to add to your list of failures. But as I was praying, the Lord spoke to me and I, and I realized there was unforgiveness in her heart. And I said, is this someone? I just feel like God's saying, there's someone that you need to forgive. And she begins to weep and she said, there was a family, a friend of the family murdered my daughter. And I couldn't even begin to understand how that woman could feel or how she could even begin to forgive that man. But I said, look, this is what that Jesus says. And in fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, 15, this is what Jesus says. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. But the Lord is saying, and it seems hard, but what the Lord wants is to free you, wants to heal you. He wants to heal you. He wants to set you free. And she said, are you willing to forgive? And she said, yes. And as a letter in a prayer in forgiveness, and she begins to forgive, and God's supernatural forgiveness begins to rest on her, she suddenly fell to the ground under the power of God and got up completely healed. So God wants us to forgive so that we can be free ourselves and receive. And when we forgive, not only can we receive from the Lord, we can release what God has given us to give. So we're going to pray now. Okay, thank you for your patience. I've gone way too long.